0: welcome to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute's Data Science Zoominar podcast. Our Zoominars feature interactive conversations with data science experts working across a wide spectrum of applications in industry, government, and academia. The conversations are moderated by faculty from the Department of Data Science at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. In this episode, Rafael Irizarry talks with Arnaldo Cruz on data-driven policy in Puerto Rico. Welcome, everybody, to this week's seminar. Today we have Arnaldo Cruz as a guest. Uh, Arnaldo has been for the last 17 years. He's been he's worked in government, private, and nonprofit sectors, and he's always focused on using data to evaluate programs and uh, and also information technology. Uh, to do this, so he's he's in our world in in some sense. He's worked at, he's worked for the U.S. Census, the mayor's office workforce development um, in Chicago. He's been the chairman of the board for the Puerto Rico Institute of Statistics. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that maybe today. And he's uh, an adjunct professor in the Sacred Heart University in Puerto Rico, in the business school there. And he's currently the director of the research and policy uh, group in the for the Financial Oversight and Management Board of Puerto Rico. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But he's also the co-founder of, this is how I first uh, heard about Arnaldo. He's the co-founder of Abre Puerto Rico, which is an organization dedicated to promoting data driven decisions in Puerto Rico. And it has done quite some impressive things that we'll also talk about today. So welcome, Arnaldo. Uh, and thanks for agreeing to talk to us.
1: Great. Uh, thanks. Thanks for the invite. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this topic, which I'm very passionate uh, about. Yeah. So thank you for the invite.
0: Great. And for the uh, for those of you, who I think we have some new new uh, audience members this week, given the topic being a little bit different than usual. Uh, if you have questions, you can use the Q and A uh, section, and you can ask anything you want. And I'll, uh, if we have time, I'll, I'll ask Arnaldo um and we'll discuss it okay so uh, the first so one of the things the the main thing i wanted to talk about today the general topic is is the use of statistics and data and computational tools in in government and in, in policy decisions which is is used more than people realize now that's not i don't think that's true in puerto rico at least relative to other Jurisdictions, at least in the United States, and and I'm hoping you can shed some light into that. So I think it'll be interesting to talk about this topic because we have um, it's a it's a place where we we can I think a lot can get better simply by doing something that's you know it's almost it's very low cost uh, and, and can have a much bigger impact than, than people realize. So, so the first thing I want to do is, is just to share with maybe some of our audience that aren't necessarily aware of how much, how, how impactful data can be in, in, in policymaking. If you can share some examples that you think are, are good examples of, of how that works. Yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, data is being used everywhere, uh, right now for, decision making and not just in government but in the private sector as more data has become available and uh through you know uh through the harnessing what what people are doing and tracking what people are doing information has become uh, very critical for decision making particularly in the private sector in the government uh although there's been a lot of innovation in in data techniques and data analysis in the private sector the government has not just in puerto rico but Across you know the world and in the states has lagged behind the private sector in harnessing data for decision making. Uh, But but you know there are good examples of governments that have been able to utilize data to uh, prioritize uh, you know financial decisions and resources. Right, I mean governments have limited resources, so um, they a lot of governments have been able to use information to prioritize uh, where to for example, where to look for uh, potential people that could be eligible for Medicaid, right, and could could receive that service. And you understand demographics and use census data and use other type of data to identify those populations that are currently not being served and could have a high impact if they are able to receive a particular service. Or uh, governments have been able to uh, use information to uh, prepare there for hurricanes and be able to Identify vulnerable populations of vulnerable areas, and then plan accordingly and minimize the impact of a natural disaster. That has been another application that has been uh, utilized uh, in different governments that have you know natural disaster as as a as a recurrent uh, problem. And then you know there's been a, a tendency of using what you know our economists have called nudge, which is how do you uh, incentivize people to make decisions that they wouldn't otherwise make on their own. And uh, governments have been able to, you know, use the, the you know, the, the, the concept of nudging to uh, have people, uh, you know, um, make, uh, have more compliance with, with tax uh, returns and, um, or make decisions about, or teachers uh, improving their attendance at schools by uh, providing information of, you know attendance records of in their school relative to other schools. So, in, in governments have been, uh, although they're lack behind the private sector, they they have definitely there's good examples of how being some governments have been able to utilize information to make better decisions and improve outcomes uh, and government programs.
0: Yeah, but yeah, and the other one I've I've heard was a big one. Although this might be a little controversial today, is is policing. Right. So, so there was a big drop in crime in New York fr- in the 90s. And some people attribute that to the use of data to send police to where the crime was, which seems kind of obvious, but it wasn't necessarily done because I just didn't know. Um, didn't know. And that, that did, I mean, it dropped, dramatically dropped, like something like, I don't know what it is, 80% since the 90s, uh, making New York one of the safest cities in the, in the United States or the world, uh, relatively speaking. Um, so the, in the case of Puerto Rico, why, why, it's, it, as, as we already discussed, it seems to be a little bit behind in this regard. Uh, it doesn't, it seems, so I've been working, as maybe you know, but I've been working to help the, the Department of Health there track, the, track, trying to figure out how to, how to summarize and track the, the COVID pandemic, and I've been surprised at how behind they were they're much better now there was like this transformation during during the pandemic where they brought in this group and they just kind of start fixing things putting things in a database there was not there wasn't really they weren't even using databases and 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 organized information uh it was done through a lot of it was done through spreadsheets being you know kept and mailed around it was quite quite surprising to me that they were so kind of behind do you know would you have a sense of why first is that widespread throughout the entire government and second is it what is it why is why is it because why does why do you think that is why don't why don't why don't people catch up i mean the technology exists the expertise is out there why aren't we using it
1: so yeah it is spread across the government and excel uh in in you know Best case scenario is the main uh, database um, at best, and then at worst you have you know uh, paper-based Paper? systems. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, paper-based systems or you know email as a way to collecting information, and so it's 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 really the state of uh, information technology as it relates to data. The, the state of uh, data as a as a tool for making decisions is is really bad across the board. And so it's so your experience in the Department of Health is is very, you know, it doesn't surprise me because it's very common.
0: Uh let me email him and text him. So um so he knows he's frozen. So the other thing I was gonna ask him about is about this organization that he started called Abre. And the the organization is is a nonprofit. I'm I'm asking I'm gonna ask him how what motivated to, to start it and what um, and how would they achieve what they achieve. but they they're basically trying to get information however they can from the government and then sharing it uh, with, with the public. So the first one they did was quite interesting. So, so and first, you'll be surprised some of you that know how policy works in, the, in Puerto Rico, you'll be surprised that this wasn't this wasn't like something that's just publicly available. And Puerto Rico has 78 small towns, municipalities, they're called, uh, each one with their own governance structure. So they'll have, they'll, Each one has a mayor, and, and they have you know the mayor's office, and and they control things. They control some services in the town. So that, that's 78 in a pretty small island. It's a lot. But so, they, they don't all seem to work very well. It's not clear how the funding is used. Um, And it's just so. How do you know which one is is working, which one isn't? And one thing I've seen this organization do is they they somehow got their hands on the the financial data for each town. They analyze it, and then they they give each they they have some 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 methodology um, to to give each one a, a a a grade. Of course, there's probably some number behind it, and then they publish it. So you have all these. Um, yeah, it looks like his internet's gone. <laughs> we we might um. Might call him on the phone and see how we can make that work. Um. So. So that's that's been a very interesting thing that they've done. So now every year they publish, uh, the the finan- the finances for for each town. And now now, what what positive effect this could have, is that you, you can have they could pressure uh municipalities to to act better especially those that have been exposed as being uh using their funding in you know their 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 funds in a way that isn't isn't the most efficient the other the other project i saw them do was that they and again this i think this is public in most states it is in massachusetts and it's the scores that the each school each public school gets in a um in a uh, I think he's back Are you back yeah in each uh, in each school what te- what test th- the average you can't give each students test, but you can give them, uh, you can give the, the, the average and the standard deviation, for example, for each school. So that gives you an idea of the performance. I mean, some people claim that tests aren't really measuring much. We'll we'll discuss this with Arnaldo. So,
1: sorry, I, I. Oh, it's
0: okay. No, that's okay. We, so what I did was I just so you don't have to explain it because I, I explained abre and how it uses it, yeah. it, it uses uh uh it got its hands on 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 the finances of each town, and 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 put that in the public, which puts a puts pressure on the mayors, especially the ones that get an F. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I want to, I mean, I already told the audience a little bit about it, so you don't have to go over it again, but I do want to know how that, what was it inside the organization? How did you get that? Like, it, it's not on the internet.
1: Yeah. So um, and sorry about the internet. Uh, it is what, what it is under this new world. Um, so uh, like, you know, like you said, we are a transparency NGO, and we had this initial idea to, uh, to understand municipal finances in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, there's 78 municipal okay. governments. And we were surprised to hear that each when you hear a mayor in you know talking in when they're giving their annual address, they everything is fine. They always have uh, a surplus and finances are fine. And we were like, it's not possible that all 78 municipal governments have a surplus, so um so something has to, you know, something's not right here. So we went online and we couldn't find the financial statements which is uh, you know a, a, a document that's audited by a CPA firm that you know states the you know
0: financial condition of a of,
1: uh, of a municipality so we couldn't so, find
0: so it. that has to happen by law right they have to get that done Yes. But it's yes. but it's not true that by law it has to be public
1: no so the, yeah so so there's a regulation by the controller that they're supposed to uh, put that information accessible to the public it's not very specific what accessible means so accessible could mean that there are it's you know in in their city hall that you can go and get it you know but it's not very specific about because when the regulation was written it was you know internet was not as you know prevalent at the time so um so when we talked to the the controller, we have a controller here and and she said, hey, I, I have the information because they have to submit the information to me and I we see. have a bunch of boxes. So, you know, you can, you know, you can come and get the boxes uh, and you can get the information. So we have to physically go to the controller's office to get <laughs> 78 uh, financial statements. These are, you know, documents of uh, over a hundred pages. Uh, in English. so we ha- we had to um, since they were not available on the internet we scanned them and we posted on our website. So that was like step number one. okay so now the financial statements are on the website. Um, and again so, so that was the first step when we did that, not many people went to the website because you know it's not like you know a lot of people can understand a financial statement and read 100 pages. So we decided okay so let's let's do something different. let's create the data from the financial statement, put it in Excel and upload the Excel file so people can use the data. So that was our second step and we did that. And we uploaded the Excel sheet with all the data. We had a bunch of interns come in and scrape the data from these documents and upload that into our website. But then we found out that even having the Excel file with you know the hundreds and hundreds of lines of scraped data was not getting a lot of attention. People were not using the information because it's still complicated financial information that not a lot of people understand um, and could utilize the information easily. So that's where we decided, oh, we need to create some sort of uh, analytical tool or index that could transform all that data in a way that could be accessible and understandable to the common person. So we took all that data, we developed a proprietary index We use about 13 indicators we gave it different weights to different indicators and we created one index and we ran a distribution uh, and we assigned grades to the mayors uh based on how they did in the index and we created a portal uh where citizen can go and check uh, the citizen can check all the detail right if they want to but they can also see you know, easily my mayor has an A, B, C, D, or F. And,
0: we, <laughs> that, and that got attention real quick. Oh yeah, quick. <laughs>
1: that got attention and that got a lot of death threats <laughs> and from-
0: Really? You know, death threats? You're serious yeah, or you
1: we, we got, you know, not death threats, but we got very nasty emails from, from mayors and from staff at, at some of the municipal governments that were threatening about this information. And they were not threatening when we scanned the documents they were not, they didn't care much when we scraped the data and we uploaded the data to a website. It's when we created the grades and it, the index got a lot of popularity and, and there's a lot of citizens went and to the website to check the grade. And the citizens went back to the mayor saying, oh, you know, you have an F, you have an e, a D. And that's what created, uh, you know, a lot of mayors not being happy with being well, signed.
0: I know the very popular mayor of San Juan got an F, no? Or a yes. D? So... Uh, so then she we, got better. Pe- then it got better.
1: It got better. So <laughs> we have we the would have been doing this for now for six years. So the index is constructed in a way that you know it, we check the fiscal year, and uh, new data comes in. And so the, a, a municipality can change its ranking and then it's great based on new data. So uh we have had some municipal governments that that got an F in the first year, now they're you know uh, around the cb level so there's there's being it has been an effective tool to incentivize good per- financial performance
0: and what's what's an example of that like what do they do that makes it like give me an example of what a town did to to get their grades up that actually translates into into it being better for the citizens
1: yeah so one thing that we do is that since since there's 13 indicators um uh, we rank uh, the municipal government each indicator. So, uh, municipal government can see uh, if I have a D, which indicators are dragging my grade down. So, um, mayors that, you know, that were, and they talked to us, you know, that some of them that were nice about it, they came to us and they asked us to explain their, their grade. They could see which of the indicators were dragging their grade and they focus on those uh, specifically. Uh, in the upcoming years in order to improve their ranking. So uh, municipal government that, for example, um, had a, a a deficiency in revenues over expenditures uh, as a percentage of their budget, they could see that that one particularly was dragging. So they started you know, reducing their costs or increasing their revenue in order to close the gap and then not have a deficiency at the end of the year. So if you don't have a deficiency, you have a surplus that increases your likelihood of increasing the ranking. So, it, so the tool, you know, at the beginning, we got a lot of heat from the mayors, but over the years, uh, we have received some good, um, uh, you know, feedback. some mayors have come to us uh, asking for, for guidance on how they can improve their grades. So, you know, it's been around for six years. So it, it's, so, it sort of has become a standard, uh, measurement for municipal finance in puerto rico so far
0: interesting and is it is it on a curve is there always going to be an f or can everybody get an a eventually
1: no it's on a curve so oh, it's it, so there'll it,
0: always be an f <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so it's all relative to your your peers so okay, okay. Um, i mean and, and there's there's been some criticism for statisticians um around grading on a curve and and being all relative right because if i yeah, if then... i if I improve individually, but my peers are improving to a greater degree, I still are behind the curve. So, I mean, there's so that's a, a, a legitimate criticism to the index that that, you know, there, there's other ways we can do the, the distribution of grades. Uh, but that's we have found that that's the most, uh, you know, fair and standard way of doing it so far. But we welcome new ways of doing it course so,
0: well you, yeah you could give them an, uh, how much you improved grade too so that's one one easy way out of that so how do, and how do you now do you still have to go get those boxes or is it now getting put into a database
1: no so the information the state, the financial statements are now online um the government after we uh did the scanning and uploading to our website uh maybe a year and a half later the government started um uh, doing it on their own, so and this is sort of like a, another example of where you can incentivize action uh, from a government entity without asking, but actually doing it. And 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 the action of Avare at the time forced the government to to do it on their own. So that's a that's, that's a great. good it's a good example of a positive
0: impact. That's great. I didn't know that part. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. so so how about the school? So the other thing I couldn't believe you got that data when I first saw it like so so the the, the what is it it's like I hear they call it MCAST. It's like every year students get tested um, and then each school you can see what average the school got. Uh, yeah they have other things like differences between between social groups and all whatever but but at the end of the day you could see this school performed this this performed that and they got better they got worse. But until you, until Abre did this, we in Puerto Rico, you couldn't know. So, so and and now one of the other things they did, which I thought was really smart, is that they compared. I'm talking about Abre now. You all compared the the scores to the grades, and it was like there was no correlation between the grades, the GPA of a school, and the scores, which was telling us that there's there's total grade inflation. Yeah. Um, Nice. So yeah. So how did you? I I mean, tell you can tell us a little more if I left anything out. But also, I'm more interested in how you actually convinced whoever it was to give you that data. And so, and here it's public, by the way.
1: Yeah. So it it wasn't it wasn't easily accessible before um, in the internet. But but this is this is one of the lessons learned of doing this. You know, you start at when we started this at Avere with the founders. It was sort of more like a maverick. Uh, you know, we were young at the time and we were demanding information to be online and being sort of maverick about it. And, you know, through all the years, you learn that uh, if you want good data and if you want recurrent data, you need to establish a good relationship with the agency for two reasons. First, even if if you go, you know, very forceful to an agency asking for the information, they give you the data. This is information you're going to, one in a recurrent basis. So if you don't, if you if you don't establish that trust and that relationship, then you you get it once. But then if you want to get it again, then you're gonna have to go through the same process. So so the first thing is that we needed to develop a relationship with the department, with the department staff, to earn their trust, uh, to give us the information, and to ensure they could give us the information on a recurrent basis. The second thing why you need a collaboration with the agency, and you know this, working with the Department of Health. Every time you get data from a government entity, you're gonna have a bunch of questions <laughs> about the data, right? And if you don't have a relationship with the agency, good luck getting those answers, right? So we were very with everything that Avre has done, we have been very careful on not just doing give they give us data and we just put it out without checking to see, you know, how do they get this data, how do they manage the data, and, and ensure some there are some minimal data quality issues. So um, the relationship with the agency allowed us to, 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 you know, to go through a process of iterations. Every time they gave us data, we had uh, several questions about what, how do they interpret this data, how do they collect this data, how do they create this statistic, um, and that uh, allowed us then to be in a better position to utilize the information for statistical purposes. So. Um, so it was a couple of months process it wasn't like we asked for the information they gave us to us it, it was like several months talking to the agency head and the agency staff and we were able to establish that relationship that allowed allow them to give us the data and allow us to get all the answers we needed so in the process we got some data that we ended up not using because it, you know it didn't meet the minimum standards of quality we were uncertain unsure how they, created the the statistics. they they were unsure themselves of the quality of the data that they were getting so um, there was a bunch of data that they gave us and we ended up you know not using in the index so once we narrowed down this is the type of data that's suitable for statistical purposes we create an index for the schools and we grade the schools right um and and then we created a. But I'm sorry level. for
0: the school, isn't it? I mean, you just have this number, right? Don't you yeah. just have the average of of, the, of math and reading? Or
1: no. So what we did is was interesting about the, and this is everywhere in all school districts. Um, the proficiency level uh, is different in every grade. As you go into more mm-hmm. grades, the proficiency level goes down. So we were, uh, so we oh, developed see. a methodology that, and then we have an issue here that, you know, you have. You don't have uh, you, you don't have a very balanced uh, uh, categories of schools. So you have you know K four schools, K five schools, K K six, K seven, and so forth, so forth. So it was unfair for us to compare a proficiency of a K nine school with a K five because K five was going to have a higher proficiency because of you know they have students that that, that are lower grade. So we designed it in a way that a school uh a k-12 school was going to receive three scores right one for k-6 k-6 schools uh and then intermediate intermediate and then high school grades so that allow us to have a fair comparison between the different compositions of schools so um so we created this portal and and the portal went viral because I mean, we were on the, when we started this project. We had a we heard a lot of people saying, oh, that's a waste of time. Parents don't care about education or the school. Yeah, that's what we heard. And, and this came from some academics locally. Uh, so, you, you, you know, it was, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate comments. But, but when we did this, the and we launched the portal, it went viral. Um, we got over 150,000 visits um, of mostly parents that were checking their their school grade for the first time in a way that could understand what this meant. Now, we were heavily criticized and we, you know, everything that Avri has done had received a lot of criticism uh, from different people. So we were criticized because we, a lot of our indicators were based on, you know, SAT scores, uh, uh, you know, standardized tests and and some, you know, some indicators that, are you know, some people believe that are not fair way of, of judging uh, performance in the school and that's a fair criticism but that's the only data that we were able to utilize because the other data that we, we got in other uh, dimensions of the school it, it wasn't suitable for statistical purposes so we decided not to use it and although we try to explain many times that we try to have a more holistic uh tool for parents we just didn't have all it's the not aid. perfect
0: it's the don't let the the perfect be the enemy of the good
1: yeah so um so that was but can saying, i can
0: i i want to yeah. defend your approach right now to uh, i'm an academic so i'll talk to other academics yeah please <laughs> so <laughs> here's how i see it yeah it's not perfect of course not but it's pretty objective Wh- whatever it measures it's objective um you can say that it's subjective uh, the the questions that are designed, but once they're set, now it's it's the test. This the test the supposed eighth grade test, Arnaldo average showed, correlates with the entry exam to the university strongly. So whatever whatever it is, it's measuring. Even you might think it's not just, but whatever it is, the eighth grade test is measuring correlates with the test that's gonna be used to let your kid into college, into which college? Maybe you you think that's unjust too, but that's what's used right now. So you have these, you have people, that, and then at the same time, okay, so that's number one. Number two is, then you have grades, which don't correlate no. with the entry exam to the university. And if you don't see the problem with that, let me see, let me try to explain this to you. So you, you have, you're a parent, You're you know, for what you're maybe you're not that educated, you trust the school, your school, the school is telling you your kid has A's, straight A's for the entire, their entire life, straight A's, straight A's, and then they go and take the college exam and they fail it. You think that's right? Then, then we, I'm going to disagree with that. You know, that eighth grade exam is what you should, should have been a warning. You should, all those A's that were given to, the, to your kid were lies. And that eighth grade exam was a predictor. And no one until Abra came along, no one was saying what that eighth grade score was. And now we do know, and that's why it went viral, is because parents want to know what's you know the, is my kid gonna do well in the in the entrance exams to college. Just as just to keep it super simple. Sorry, go ahead. No, I no, just, I okay. just-
1: and 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 we we when we before we did the index because we were asked by many people to include include the school grades, and uh, we were hesitant because when we did the analysis, that's when we found that there, were, there was no correlation, not even weak correlation between grades and proficiency levels. And we found schools that had around 85% of the students getting A's and B's with less than 20% being proficient. So there were some huge gaps. Um, and again, we, we, we understand that standardized tests are not perfect and there's other ways to to measure uh, a student outcomes and student performance, school performance. And that's uh, we agree with that. But at the time, that's the only data that we have that could be utilized. And all we did was organize the information in a way for a parent to understand what this meant.
0: Now, but can I just all- say real quick yeah. co- before you, you just give, you know, just yeah. concede that point. It yeah. measures something. Yeah. So if you know if you don't know how to add. It'll show up in that test. If you don't know how to read, it'll show up in that test. It's not—it's not completely useless. There's something there. It's not perfect, but it is measuring something. Sorry, go ahead. No, and and again, we have done this
1: a couple years now, um, and this has uh, allowed Avre to get some additional funding. Funding has been very hard for Avre. Avre is a 501c3, um, and it's a non-for-profit, but it's been the philanthropic uh, ecosystem here. It's not very, uh, you know, Aure, what Aure does is a little more intangible, right? It's more, you know, data for change, right? And that's not a direct service per se. So Aure has had a lot of issues uh, getting funding locally. So fortunately we have, Aure has had uh, some U.S. foundations support some of the work. So now Aure is going into more deep diving into uh, education. What, what? so we, we the the new uh, study by Avre that's about to be released uh, hopefully by early next year, is that we we use the data the data from Avre portal and we did a a, a statistical analysis a geo uh, statistical analysis to find geographically where schools have high performance and low performance and they have similar profile so in a in a town where you know, because they always say, "Oh, you know, the kids don't perform well because they're they live in a bad neighborhood or, or poverty." But we were able to control for those factors, and even after controlling for poverty level, percentage of special ed uh, students in the school, and other uh, size of the school, we still saw in proximity, uh, geographic proximity, we still found that they they you know they have big gaps in in, in student outcomes. So what we did was that we we, we we went directly to the schools because the data that we have from the district could not allow us to understand causation because the data that was available was just not enough for, for us to do a, a robust statistical model. So we had to go into the schools uh, and get some additional data through surveying parents, surveying teachers, and, and some other information that was not available at the district. So um, early next year, AVRE is going to release the results of that study. We We did like five no i think six case studies where schools were next to each other um and have gaps in performance but uh, those gaps could not be explained by poverty level and those some of these other factors
0: yeah interesting but also at the end of the day so if i'm if i'm in charge i want you to tell me that so that i can invest more in those schools that need it more Right, so if if i want to know i don't i don't want to see all those days i want to see their actual performance and if it's not good and especially if it's in an underserved community then more reason to know that they're not performing well so that we can go and help them you know spend i don't know invest more whatever we can do to, to help great so that's that was that's was very interesting to hear and and your your comments about getting the data in a recurrent form um, we hear you as a statisticians in academia, because we have to do that too. And and, and being Maverick is not always the good way to go. It gets you, uh, it could get you quick fame if you just go after somebody for doing yeah. the analysis wrong. But you, there's other ways to do it. You know, you could establish a collaboration and Yeah. And it takes longer, and it might not get you as much fame, but it could be more long-lasting. So we, we do see that in our world, too, the, the fact that you want to work with the people producing the data. Sometimes, no. Sometimes you actually go after them. That's an, <laughs> a topic for another
1: Zoominar. Another yeah.
0: uh, well, what, what, what interesting. We,
1: in, in Avril, we we did both. And, and, in, and based, after eight years of, of, of this type of work, uh, we found that
0: collaboration was more effective. So that's
1: that, that's our experience so far
0: yeah so okay so we, we don't we're running out of time but i do want to talk about this last topic which is the um the oversight board or the the oversight and management board is the official name so for the audience members that haven't heard of this uh, puerto rico basically went bankrupt they the us passed a law Puerto Rico's is part of the us for those that don't know and in the us states can't go bankrupt puerto rico is kind of like a state that's another topic that we could talk for about an hour but uh it couldn't go bankrupt but they were going to go bankrupt because they took out tons of loans basically to pay not to pay employees basically for as far as i can tell um not not for investment in infrastructure so by doing that they borrow 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 but didn't grow so they ended up owing a bunch of money so much that that the, the federal government passed a law uh, permitting Puerto Rico to, ba- they don't call it bankruptcy, but it's, that's basically what it is. And part of the agreement, just like when, when there's bankruptcy, there's, there's a judge and there's a, a group of people that decide who's going to get paid first. And one of the conditions for this to happen was a, a board was named that was going, to over, it was going to provide oversight over the finances. Did I explain that pretty well in one minute? What did I miss? <laughs> no, yes. I mean, it, it's a
1: bankruptcy process. Puerto Rico, by the US law, it's not allowed uh, to access the uh, bankruptcy procedure. So the Congress had to create an ad hoc bankruptcy uh, process for Puerto Rico. And this had turned out to be the biggest uh, bankruptcy in the history of municipal markets uh, over 70, $70 billion dollars. So the, the board was part of the uh, of the statue. Um, although some people in Puerto Rico think that this is a very particular to Puerto Rico. There's been oversight boards all over the yeah, state. D.C., right? Uh, DC, D.C. and, and want, any- New York, Detroit. And there's many others that are not as famous as the uh, Detroit and DC
0: ones, but- But those are uh, all cities, this is a state- oh.
1: Yeah, yeah, states huh. because states are not allowed to go bankrupt. Uh, so it's most, of, most of the municipal, uh, all the municipal um, uh, bankruptcy proceedings have been either city or public corporations that are within, uh, you know, counties, city governments. So, so, uh,
0: so yeah. So Hernando is the, I'm oh, sorry, your title, official title is on the board, is a so, research, so yes yeah, so, research.
1: Yeah, so we, um, this is an approach that, that you know, we've been talking to the executive director, Nada Yeresco, establishing a, a policy and research department to uh, do help a couple of things. First, uh, you know, sometimes in this type of work, it's not, you know, it's hard to do research or deep dive from complicated policy issues because, you know, things are always, you know, for yesterday, right? So it's a very, uh, you know, um, sort of transactional type of approach. So uh, the executive director wanted a new department that could take its time uh, and look it. into several policy issues um, with a more research type of focus. So this is a new department. I'm head of the department and we have a team of economists, uh, you know, the, the PhDs in public administration, attorneys. Um, it's a small uh, department that we have started and we have began to deep dive around various policy issues. Right now, the the most, um, uh, you know, re- not, not relevant, but the most immediate one that we just launched a couple of research reports was around civil service reform and how do we uh, get uh, civil service reform in Puerto Rico. And I think it is important to clarify that policy analysis is not just data and statistics, right? Um, in order to do policy analysis you you need to look into various things laws and regulations uh, processes at the agencies uh, you know stats and data so the department sort of represents that you know with all these different backgrounds in the team that sort of perspective of how do you really look into a policy issue and are able to provide recommendations with that sort of comprehensive 360 look at, at a policy issue
0: and, and the ultimate goal is to is to develop policies that will help Puerto Rico get back on financial track?
1: Yeah. So obviously we we want our work to uh, first foster debate about policy, as you know, and you being a a very, you know, uh, active in social media, most of the policy discussing in Puerto Rico is very, it's not based on data. It's not based on analysis. So we, our work is to uh, ensure that whatever, you know, discussion we're having about a policy change is based on sound research and policy analysis. So we're having a discussion around those standards. So that's one thing. So we want to foster evidence-based policy in Puerto Rico. And we also want influence uh, a change in in policy in Puerto Rico as it relates to uh, to various issues. And, and the best way we can do it is to uh, do this type of work and work with government uh, to see uh, if there, these are things that the government can can be inspired to do in order to get Puerto Rico uh, back on on track.
0: Well, that's that's not a great position to be in. I gotta say, as a statistician, because <laughs> I mean, there, people have opinions, ideologies, and they're sure that something's right, and when the data doesn't agree with it. And, and- then you're the, you're the, they shoot the messenger often. I oh, Is that, has that been your experience a little bit? Well,
1: and, and Avere, I had that experience um, that, that, you know, I, they shoot the messenger with some of this stuff, but uh, in the policy, it's a new department. We started around May uh, of this year. So it's, it's a, sort of like a new thing for in the board. And so far, um, so far, surprisingly, it's been very positive feedback from stakeholders because we have, had had approach that not just to put research, we have had open discussions, we have released the data we use for the research, we have engaged with the various sectors around the research we're doing, we are also engaging with the agency, right? And this is part mm-hmm. of the process. So you can't talk about policy change without talking to the government agencies you're researching about because you need their input, you need their data, and you need their feedback into the type of work that you're doing. So. Surprisingly, so far, um, so far, <laughs> um, I, we have received a lot of positive feedback from e- from the ecosystem, from various stakeholders, wh- which is very encouraging. Even though, as you know, the board has you know a lot of detractors, you know, from different areas, mm-hmm. but uh, but so far, uh, you know, we we have I, I, at least I have felt that that our work has been uh, a welcoming thing in, in in the ecosystem in Puerto Rico.
0: That's great to hear. I'm happy to hear that. Um, well, you know, we're out out of time, but I can't. I forgot to ask you a question I'm very curious about, so I'm going to ask it anyways. I hope the audience can uh, bear with us just for a couple more minutes. So you were you were the chairman of the board for the Puerto Rico Institute of Statistics, and at at are, were you the chairman when when the government tried to to to, the, um, to basically dismantle it?
1: Yeah, so I wasn't the chairman. I was at the board uh, when that occurred. So do Um, you
0: know what? So I know that actually the American Statistical Association, which is I'm a member of, we actually wrote a statement against the dismantling of the Institute of Statistics. And I I guess what I wanted to hear about is what was going on. Like, why did they want to dismantle that? I never understood the reasoning behind that.
1: Yeah. So uh, fortunately, the courts. uh, you know, the Institute at the time sued the, the, the government around uh, dismantling the board of directors. Uh, the, the the government uh, sort of, there were board of directors that had a term and their term had not expired at the time. And the governor at the time tried to take those uh, directors away without their term expiring and putting some people, different people, right? So when that happened, the Institute of Statistics, the, the, you know, sue the executive director at the time sue the government and the courts sided with the institute and those members that were uh sort of taken out by the existing governor were brought back restated. by the courts, restated by the courts um so yeah so i was in the middle of that process uh when that happened um so the the board while the courts were figuring this out the local courts the board was not really meeting or functional so uh, we were waiting to see what the courts would decide if the governor had the authority to um to take some members out that their term hadn't expired so uh so that happened the the board um um you know got reinstated uh some other board members uh ex- they had their term expire and they were replaced uh by the governor uh the same governor that 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 tried to this, you know take them away but but the law you know stated that it's the governor's, you know, role to appoint the members. So when the the members expire their term, then the governor named new members. So,
0: so um, okay, but but I guess what I'm more curious about is why would why would they be against the existence of an institute of statistics? Or maybe maybe that was exaggerated in the in the press.
1: Yeah, so they um, the governor never uh, was very clear about his intention. Um, and and I was at the time I was against the you know the, the actions of the governor because the members that the the governor was taking out of the board were had not had not done anything wrong so mm-hmm. there was no reason to take them out so um, there was really no uh, you know a good reason to to do so the governor should have you know waited until the, the term expired to name the people. That the law gives, you know, the law does give the governor that power, but the governor should have waited for those terms to expire. Um, okay. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, the institute has functioned as an autonomous and independent entity, and yeah. you know that that's a very unique, um, you know, thing for a government entity in Puerto Rico. And I, and I guess, you know, the, sometimes their governors uh, have issues with that.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Arnaldo. This was really f- interesting and, and insightful. Keep up the good work. And if you need any—I mean, it doesn't look like you do—but if you need any statistical or data analysis help, I um, reach we, we out. Always, we, have, we, we always we do. Have, we have. We always do. We have people. We like always do. And I you and I want pre- to work.
1: And I appreciate. Uh, I know you collaborated with the institute uh, in the selection of a new executive director. We we, we appreciate a lot of your help. So. Uh, at the board, we are, at uh, the oversight board, we, we're always looking to collaborate. So um, we don't have all the resources in the world in the department. So um, we certainly uh, will be looking at the statistical community if we uh, if we need some help with some more complex uh, statistical analysis for policy. All right,
0: excellent. Well, thanks again. Well, this is gonna cut off now. There's, there's no other way to do it. So I so saw bye and, and we'll chat again soon, hopefully. Bye everybody. Thanks for joining.